0: Hello listeners, and welcome back to another episode of PwC's Leap Network How to Empower podcast. We've just launched our Women in Work report, our annual assessments of gender equality in the workplace across OECD countries. This year's report focuses on the impact of COVID-19 on women in work across the OECD. This episode, will take a look at the challenges facing women in work today, and what governments and businesses can do to change things. I'm delighted to be joined in our virtual studio by Mary Ann Stevenson, the director of the Women's Budget Group, which is an independent network of leading academic researchers, policy experts, and campaigners working to create a caring economy that promotes gender equality. Marianne has worked for women's equality and human rights for over 20 years as a campaigner, researcher, and trainer. We're also joined by Larisse Stilo, an economist at PwC who leads the analysis on the PwC Women in Work Report, which is in its ninth year of publication. Thank you, Larisse and Marianne, for joining me today. Um, well, Marianne, if we can start with you, I'd love to learn more about the Women's Budget Group. And, and what have you learned in 30 years about promoting gender equality?
1: I suppose the main thing that we've learned is that the the kind of public economy, the paid economy, the economy of work and jobs and trading of goods and services is inextricably linked with the unpaid economy of care and domestic work and that in particular women's inequality in the workplace is is the result of inequality within the home. Um, In the UK for example um, women do 60% more unpaid work than men and this was prior to COVID Um, and that has a knock-on impact on the amount of time they have available for paid work which is the, the primary reason why women earn less, own less and are more likely to be poor Um, and that's not just women who have children because obviously employers will make assumptions about what women are likely to do in the future even if they don't have children or have no intention of ever having children. Women face discrimination in the workplace because of that assumption that they will be doing more care than men.
0: Uh, Has that changed over the last 30 years? I mean I imagine there's been margin improvements but I guess the story that I've that I've seen certainly over, over the years is that it's getting better, but there's still a, a long way to go.
1: It has changed. I mean, certainly public attitudes have changed. So 30 years ago, when um, the British Social Attitudes Survey asks a series of questions, including, you know, what, how far do you agree with the statement that, you know, it's it's a man's job to go out and earn money and it's a woman's job to stay at home and look after the family, and attitudes there have changed significantly. Um, we've seen women work, moving into the paid workforce in increasing numbers, Um, And particularly mothers being far more likely to work than ever before and mothers of younger children staying in in the labour market. What hasn't changed so much is the amount of unpaid work done by men. Um, So that has been more resistant to change, um, which means that large numbers of women in paid work are doing a a double shift of unpaid work when they get home. Um, And we saw that, we'll probably talk about that more later on, but we saw that during the pandemic when women were doing significantly more unpaid work than men, particularly when schools and nurseries were closed.
0: Well, I guess that leads us nicely to the to this year's report. So, so Larice, can you talk us through the main findings of, of this year's Women in Work report? Uh, I guess one of the one of the key issues is the impact of COVID-19 on women in work. And can you, can you give us an overview of how the pandemic has affected women in, in particular?
2: Sure, uh, I can do, Chris. And um, everything that that Ann said is is very consistent um, with our findings um, on the impact of COVID uh, that COVID has had on on women um, since the pandemic began um uh, it it is the like we, we've actually seen data in um some countries um confirming that more women than men have left the workforce already um because of um caring uh caring responsibilities um if we look at unemployment data across the oecd um, in our analysis unemployment has increased more for women than men in in 2020 um and the reality is also that the pandemic is, um, not only amplifying these pre-existing gender inequalities in care, um, but it's also really hitting hard um, the industries um, that you know more women work in um, contacts, contact-intensive service sectors like retail um, and accommodation. Um, so it's if nothing is done, it's uh, the analysis shows that it's it's just going to get worse and women will actually um Leave the work- workforce permanently, and that's a problem not only for um, not only for women's economic empowerment and gender equality, but also a problem for economic growth and and productivity. For for example, with you know with job retention schemes still in place in many countries, um, the full impact of COVID nineteen um, probably hasn't been realised. Um, and in the UK, for example, like current furlough data, if that's indicative of future employment trends. We're going to see a larger number of women facing the risk of job loss um, than men once schemes like the coronavirus job retention scheme um, comes to an end in April. But I think um, in terms of uh, what we expect to see going forward, based on our analysis of the OECD unemployment forecasts, um, we're estimating that uh, you know after nine years that we've been publishing this index, nine years of progress towards better gender equality across the OECD, the trend is actually going to reverse over the next two years of reporting, um, and we're, we're going to see a fallback um, to 2017 levels of gender equality by the end of 2021. And perhaps even more worrying than that is that damage might not be able, like we might not be able to recover fully from that damage. The longer the like the, this higher burden of care on women lasts, um, we won't just reverse progress towards gender equality. Um, But um, in order to recover, just even to the same levels um, that we were going to be at pre-crisis, if we're going to fully recover to that by 2030, we need the speed of progress to be twice as fast as it has been historically. And that's difficult to achieve.
0: Wow, Um, that's really, really upsetting to hear. And how does that, I guess, how does a picture different across the OECD, I guess, how does that vary across the UK as well?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, if we look at like what um, where everyone was at sort of pre pandemic, at um, uh, the end of 2019, Iceland and Sweden continue to be the top performers on our Women in Work Index. And New Zealand's actually moved up into third place. Um, and over the longer term, like government policy has been a strong driver um, of, of this strong performance. Um, if you, if you think about the UK, um, the UK actually did well in 2019. Progress was nearly twice as fast as the OECD average um, with um, yeah growth growth across all indicators of our index. I think one of the issues for the UK is that this progress wasn't spread evenly across regions. For the first time, we actually saw regional inequalities increase across the UK, and, and what that means is that we saw Lower performing regions on the index, such as the Northeast, the Northwest, the West Midlands, uh, Yorkshire, and the Humber, um, they increased their performance only slowly, where re- whereas regions at the top end of the table that perform well, such as the Southwest, Scotland, Northern Ireland, um, showed faster progress. So, what that, that uh, came down to was that there was a larger difference between the higher performing and lower performing regions. Um, so, disparities increased.
0: And Marianne, you know, we we had a catch up prior to re- recording this this podcast, and we talked about some of the the leading countries, you know, at, at the top of the report. What what learnings can we take from them?
1: Well, I think one of the the big things is the importance of leave policy, actually. Um, If you look at the Nordic countries, um, they tend to have uh, much more equal models of leave for parents when they have a new child. So in the UK, we have um, quite a long period of maternity leave, um, a year, nine months of which is paid, um, but only two weeks paternity leave. And then there is this um, so-called shared parental leave, which isn't actually shared parental leave, it's transferable maternity leave so men are only entitled to it if if their um, female partner is entitled to it themselves and is willing to transfer it um, and the reason that's important is because the patterns that are set when a couple first become parents in terms of who's responsible for looking after children on a day-to-day basis tend to get Quite fixed, quite quickly. We know in the UK that the majority of couples before they become parents want to share care equally, um, or certainly much more equally than, than their parents did. Um, you know, most fathers to be want to have more involvement in the lives of their children than, say, maybe their fathers did in their lives. Um, but the, the leave policy we have doesn't allow that. It makes it very hard for men to take leave. The, the number of men who take shared parental leave is very low, partly because the rates of pay are so low. Um, and in most heterosexual couples, the man is the main um, earner, is going to earn more than his female partner. So it for him to take a, a big pay cut is has a bigger impact on, on family finances. If you look at the, the Nordic countries, where care is shared more equally in those first few months the first year after birth you can see that that continues um, later on in children's lives so fathers are more likely to um, to be responsible for child care more likely to work part-time mothers are more likely to stay in the labor market likely to work longer hours um, and both parents are able to see themselves both as as, as workers and earners and also as carers and so i think if we if we changed our leave system to be something close to that that we see in the nordic countries that could have a really big impact on women's working lives not just when they have small babies but throughout their working lives
0: for sure and i imagine that that's one step to you know, I, I think about the women's, the vision of the women's budget group is to create a care economy that promotes gender equality. And I guess, you know, that that's, you know, what the Nordic countries are doing, you know, and uh, the, the, like you said, the, the parental care, uh, equal rights and so on. You know, what, what more can we be doing, uh, you know, to, to get closer to, to, to gender equality?
1: Well, last year we um, published a report of our Commission on a Gender Equal Economy. Um, and the chair of that commission, Diane Elson, Always talks about the need to um, recognize, reduce, and redistribute unpaid care. So she will say, you know, you need to recognize the impact that unpaid care has on women's lives. You need to reduce it through um, childcare, through um, social care provision, and you need to redistribute it between men and women. Um, so, in terms of the reduction side of it, One of the things that we're calling for um, is a care-led recovery from coronavirus. We did some um, modelling last year which showed that um, the same amount of money invested in care and construction would create 2.7 times as many jobs in care as as that money invested in construction, and would create more jobs, even if you raise the um, care worker's salary to the level of construction workers, which incidentally would involve about a 40% pay rise, which shows you how badly we undervalue care workers in this country. Mm. Um, So if the government's thinking about, you know, how we deal with the the looming jobs crisis, which is is going to happen when the furlough scheme eventually ends, um, one of the best things it could do is is invest in the care sector? Um, not only would it create very many more jobs, um, but it would also solve the crisis in social care, um, which we you know we know has existed in this country for years and has got worse significantly worse in the last few years.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I have I have loads of disabled friends and, and colleagues who, uh, you know, I, I stayed months upon in the hospital and are, and are really really struggling with their care so i i completely agree with you and and, and Maurice, uh, you know going back to the the, the policies and, and the recoveries um you know towards gender equality do, do those scenarios also come true uh in in the women uh women work report
2: yeah um definitely chris i think um everything that that marianne has said um is very consistent with what we've found as well um i think the uh the um the investment by the uk government and also other governments is um directed more towards male dominated industries um for the in terms of the economic recovery and um one like, i think probably the biggest thing um that the government can do is invest in industries like the care industry um where you know that will support um more jobs for women but i think the other thing that they they need to do is think about how we retrain and reskill women for jobs in high-growth sectors, um, high-growth sectors that are going to to support, say, the transition to net zero, um, renewable energy, um, and jobs that will be sustainable and fulfilling for women going forward, um, and not only improve their career prospects, but also uh incre- improve um, economic growth and the productivity of the economy. Um, so I, I think that's that's another um topic that that we think is really important. Um and, and probably the other thing I would pick up on is something that um that Marianne and the women's budget group has done a lot of work um in this area is actually making sure that we have you know gender inequality impact assessment. Um, of all policies, um, it, you know, for post-COVID recovery, but also just um, in general um, uh, investment uh, investment policies um, by the government to ensure that you know when in the next pandemic or the next crisis comes along, um, it, it's not it's not women who are starting from the back foot um, that we're you know that it, it is we are in a more equal place. Um, to begin with so that these kind of uh, shocks to the economy uh, don't disproportionately affect women in the future
0: well i mean who would be for that right and uh, and i think looking at the theme for this year's international women's day uh, i know it's the, the the hashtag choose to challenge how can we challenge businesses and governments to empower more women in the workplace uh marianne
1: well, I think one of the big things that, that businesses can do is um, get in advance of what uh, leave policy, you know, what the legal minimum is on leave policy. And we've certainly seen some businesses do that in the UK where they're kind of equalising leave entitlements for women and men. They're offering longer periods of, of paid leave for fathers as well as as for mothers um, and finding, you know, significant numbers of men wanting to take up that leave um, and I think that makes a real difference I think we you know we need to be in a situation where employers recognise that men as well as women can have caring responsibilities but that also that, that care is part of our lives um, you know we all, we all need care at points in our lives most of us will end up caring for somebody else at points in our lives we can't separate out um our kind of working professional selves from the rest of our lives we need to find ways in which we can we can do both be both um uh an employee a worker and a carer
0: yeah i'm completely with you Uh, and the um
2: i i think one thing that we picked up on um was just the need to reinforce um gender pay gap reporting um The PwC was actually, um, PwC UK was one of the first organisations to voluntarily publish um, gender pay gap data, and that was back in 2014. Um, And uh, this year the the government, um, like with the pandemic, there was um, the requirement for gender pay gap reporting last year um, was taken away, and this year they've actually pushed back the deadline, I think from April to October, um, but uh, we are very much encouraging um, organisations and our clients and uh, to continue to report that, um, that data. Uh, you know, it's the kind of data that the Women in Work Index relies upon to, to, to bring to the forefront what the issues are, um, and uh, uh, along with that um, uh, there is also um, a need to Um, to publish more data on, I think, the ethnicity pay gap, and um, PwC has also recently become the first professional services firm in the UK to start publishing that. Um, So, you know, committed to taking action to sort of address these disparities and support and empower women um, and ethnic minorities in the workplace is something that we're encouraging um, to all businesses.
0: Well, look, I I agree, Larisse, and you know I love how PwC leads on this. You know, I've, I've said it before and on other podcast episodes, but I'm I'm hugely biased, but I, I love how PwC do do lead on on topics such as this. Uh, and I think, you know, to from what I've heard, you know, the damage to women's progress from the pandemic will be extremely hard to repair, particularly if governments and businesses don't act to address this. And and I think you've given you're both given our our listeners, um hopefully some really eye-opening, shocking stats uh, and, and realities that that need to be addressed and given them some really good ideas and empowered them to go have that conversation to, to raise this and hopefully start to drive change. But look, that draws us to, to a close of, of another episode of our How to Empower Leap Network podcast. Look, this has been really, really interesting discussion. And I'd like to thank Larisse and Marianne for, for joining me. Thank you so much. To you, our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And as always, please, we, you know, if you'd like to share your thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, please do so by getting in touch using the hashtag PwC underscore leap. If you'd like to find out more about the Women's Budget Group, visit their website at www.wbg.org.uk. Or you can follow them on Twitter at at Women's Budget GRP. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with future episodes. But once again, thank you so much for listening. See you next time.